And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to the Wide Ride Podcast. I'm your host, Manny Navarro, Miami Hurricanes beat writer for The Athletic. It is uh, closing in on 9.30 p.m. here, Thursday night, June 30th. Uh, it's been a uh, crazy run here the last uh, 24 to 36 hours in terms of the news cycle, especially uh, with the NBA free agency beginning and uh, uh, recruiting. And, you know, the month of uh, June is coming to an end. There's been a whole bunch of commitments. Um, the Miami Hurricanes have done a phenomenal job here. They've picked up six commitments since June 14th. Mario Cristobal staff, uh, I think, three, uh, four-star commitments here since Sunday. A span of five days um, started off with Jaden Rashada, the four-star quarterback um, from Pittsburgh, California, top 50 recruit. Then they got Nathaniel Joseph, uh, I think who's just outside of the top 100 here out of Miami Edison, former Clemson commit four-star receiver. And then today they entered the top 20 of the national rankings when they picked up Robert Stafford, a five foot 11, 171 pound two-way athlete, 6'4", wingspan, 4'4", 5", speed in the 40. He was ranked number 163. So Miami's recruiting class has picked up a lot of steam. Mario Cristobal told us uh, at Legends Camp uh, last Saturday that uh, he expected a little recruiting momentum. It started to happen. And tomorrow, there's going to be a bunch of kids uh, that my, that Miami as their finalists are going to be making commitments. So a lot of news going on, but feels like all of it has been trumped by what happened today with USC and UCLA and the announcement that they are headed to the Big Ten Conference. Stunning revelation. A lot of people uh, surprised by the news today. Uh, a year ago at this time, similar reaction when people found out Texas and Oklahoma were going to the SEC. But it looks like we're headed to power conferences in college football. And that is a huge topic that I think draws eyeballs from everybody because we all grew up with the rivalries, right, in college football. We all cared about uh, you know, the rivalry games, but greed has taken over in college football. It's all about money. It's all about these power conferences and TV contracts. And so now we have a huge development that is sure to shape college football and the university of Miami here going forward. So uh, I want to present Carlos Ledo, who has been on with us many, many times uh, before from uh, the MIA all day podcast. I'm sure you've heard some of his episodes by now. Hopefully you have, uh, Carlos is playing hurt for us tonight. Uh, he's dealing with a little, uh, little sickness that I had not too long ago. Um, but he's doing better. Uh, I think, uh, at least doing okay for now. Carlos, how are you feeling? Doing good, man. I mean, uh, like it, it, of course it has to happen when the world is turning upside down, uh, and over July 4th weekend, I've escaped the Rona for two and a half years. And now it just catches me out of nowhere. Um, I mean, I literally went to Orlando a couple like two weeks ago, nothing didn't wear a mask the entire time I was there. Everything was good. Came back no sickness, uh, then come back. I'm working in the office and apparently one of my sickly clients slapped the whammy mammy on me. And now I got the Rona, 
but luckily, you know, I'm okay. Just uh, first sign of symptoms was last night. Had a fever, you know, achy bones and stuff. Couldn't really sit last night. Took some Tylenol today, took a nap, and I'm good to go, man. I'm feeling all right. Just a little stuff, a little tired. But other than that, I'm good. It's uh, kind of like a light hangover, which um, is kind of depressing because I, I really did not have the fun that led to the hangover. <laughs> well, I, I was sick for about 36 hours where I had a little bit of a fever, some cough. Uh, but in the end, I've had flus that were much worse. And thankfully, I was vaccinated. I know you guys are vaccinated, you and your wife, Joanna. And uh, so hopefully it's not a big thing for you guys at all. You know, and I immediately ran and chugged some Tito's as soon as I got the positive result just to kill all the germs. <laughs> Corona does not like the Tito's. Um, I'm playing a little hurt, by the way, too. Uh, I'm not going to reveal all the gross yeah, details. Yeah, please don't go there. Don't go there. I, I, I already did that to you in a private message. But essentially, uh, for, for the audience that's listening, I was sidelined by an abscess that had to be drained, which uh, if you don't know what an abscess is, essentially, it's basically a pus-loaded uh, thing um, in your body, kind of like an infection. And um, I was just one of the most painful experiences of my life, but I'm happy to be here. I'm happy that uh, 24, you know, 24 hours ago, um, I was just recovering from, from all of that stuff and, and really feeling terrible, but I'm, I feel a whole lot better now. I'm back working and I'm glad I'm working because today was a busy as hell day, man. Like this, this story is huge. Carlos, I guess my, my first thought, uh, it, you know, is Miami's going to have to do something here because for the people who don't, understand why this is happening right everybody's kind of like well why i mean kelvin just kelvin harris just called me literally 10 minutes before we started recording this and said why the hell would usc and ucla go to the big 10 because of the weather it's beautiful weather in in november and december <laughs> in the big 10 country and you know those boys from la just want to experience that wonderful weather in the big 10 um which you know obviously it's going to be quite shocking when they play that first game in the snow and they're freezing their asses off <laughs> that's why we bring you on the show brother you provide the comedy baby um obviously the, the right answer okay not that there is a right answer but this is the truth um it, this is all heading the power i mean super conferences right i mean this is about having being in the conference that doles out the most money and the acc and the pac-12 and the big 12 or on the lower end of the totem pole. Now, right now, it is not a big gap between what each of these schools earn. I mean, there's a gap, but it's not ridiculous. The issue is that, for the ACC anyway in Miami, is that they're locked into a deal, grant of rights deal, through the year 2036. And the okay? deal sucks. And the deal sucks because they are not going to make a lot of money. And and people say, well, what, why, what, what, what about... You know, fundraising, right? I mean, you got Ruiz and you got all these. Other, they'll take care of the. No, no. This is about being able to support an, an entire athletic department with, with this money. Okay. An entire conference. Basketball and football pay the bills. And if you can get into a conference that features all of the best teams and has the biggest payouts, um, then that's where you want to be in the next, you know, four to five years. You want to be there. Because it's going to take a couple of years to happen, Carlos. I know that little by little we've had, you know, Texas and Oklahoma announced, and now you have uh, USC and UCLA. But the reality is um, these other conferences have been tied into, you know, certain TV deals that won't expire till 2024, or 2025 or 2026. The ACC is the one that's furthest out. Um, but, you know, 
once once they renegotiate those TV deals, right, the big the Big Ten and the SEC, it, it's going to be ridiculous the amount of money that these people are getting, and and that's going to create a huge gap into the coaching staffs that you can hire, um, the facilities that you can build, and so it's the have and the have nots. And look, everybody's playing the game right now, right? Everybody's trying to make money. Everybody's trying to figure out a way to compete and money is what it takes to win championships um, and to, and to really contend and the sec and the big 10 have had the biggest payouts for, for several years now. In fact, I'm going to go to the story I just wrote with grace Rayner and I'll, and I'll throw some of the numbers here. You ready for it? Go ahead. The sec generated 778, $777.8 million of total revenue last year with each member institution receiving an average of 54 million. 54.6 million. The Big Ten generated nearly 680 million in total revenue, with each school receiving an average of 46.1 million. The ACC set a league record, generating 578 million, but still came up about $200 million shy of the SEC and about $100 million shy of the Big Ten. Each school received an average of 36 million. Well, hell, 46, 36, $10 million. I mean, that's not a lot, right? Uh, between the Big Ten and the ACC, well, that's the current deal. That's the current deal, and the and the SEC made eight. Each school made eighteen million dollars more than the ACC schools in terms of the ACC SEC difference. Um, that's right now. Texas and Oklahoma aren't in the SEC yet. Um, USC and UCLA aren't in the Big Ten yet. The moment those schools arrive and they go to renegotiate those TV deals, I mean, it's be a billion it, plus. It's going to be over a billion dollars. And, and here's the thing. Fox and ESPN, I mean, Fox basically runs the Big Ten Network. OK, they, they're the ones who uh, run run those matchups that they get every Saturday. All those games are on Fox and the SEC is moving to the to ESPN. So what do you think is going to happen here? I mean, do you think schools like Clemson are going to sit there in the ACC and be happy with the situation that they're in? Um, well, they Notre Dame, you think they're just going to, oh, we'll, we'll go ahead and go, go to the ACC because we love it. No, they're going to prefer to go to these other conferences that are going to be loaded up. So I guess, Carl, just what's your thought process in all this, man? Like when you, when you see this thing, what, what goes through your mind? I, I think it's gotten wild and it's, uh, you know, the race to be bigger and better and, and the greed for more and more and more to try and put yourself in the best position possible to win national championships and earn more revenue for your athletic program. It's gotten kind of crazy. Um, but I mean, you can't blame them. It's, it's the way the system's set up. So they're playing within the rules of the game. There is no enforcement. There is no framework. There is no regulation or any sort of body uh, that's governing this right now that has any teeth that could do anything to try and control what's going on and set some order, which is what's really the biggest problem. And that's also the same thing with NIL. There is no, uh, regulatory body that's doing anything. The NCAA has no teeth in this instance, and they're just going to sit back and take it and let these colleges and universities that have all the money and the power do it themselves. And these conferences continue to stack and, and, and compile more and more members until they are basically untouchable. I think the, the only solution could be, or maybe one of the solutions, uh, and, and probably a series of long solutions to be able to correct some of this, is you need to expand the playoff system. I think if you go to a 32 or a 16 team playoff system, more likely 32 to try and create a system where more schools are involved in the race for the national championship. And you're not feeling like you have to be a part of a mega conference just to compete for a top four spot. Then that makes a difference. And you continue to involve the bowl system within that framework 
of the, the football playoff. Um, I really don't know where, where else you can go. I think for the Hurricanes, the big issue is what move do you have from here for the ACC in general? Do you, who can you go out there and get that's going to help you match that cachet or that, that value that these other conferences are getting with their new members? Notre Dame, that's one, one team. That's not going to be enough. And then the other issue is it's not only about performance on the field. The ACC is very high on academic performance, right? They are the conference that really looks at academics aside from athletic prowess and the ability to bring in um, conference championships and national championships to the conference. So Notre Dame is a great academic school, but outside of that, who are you going to look to? I mean, uh, you know, look at Cincinnati. If you try to land them, it's, they're 148th in the country in terms of academic rank. The University of Houston is 179. Oklahoma State is 187. Kansas State, Kansas, 122 and 162. Um, Boise State is 300. I mean, so what are you looking at? You're looking at places like Tulane, 42nd in the country. That doesn't move the needle. Baylor, 75th. Okay, that's all right. Um, Army and Navy, that's 11th and 6th, respectively, along with Air Force, who's 22nd. But do the, do the uh, military academies really add anything to your conference? I mean, it's nice to have them. They're competitive. They're the, they add a little bit of, of recognition and notoriety, but they don't move the needle in terms of national profile. Um, and SMU, who's ranked 68, but SMU is really not a national brand at this moment, as good as they are on the football field and on the basketball court. So what does the ACC do? Where do they go from here? And then, I, you know, I read one of the articles, the one I think you were just reading that you did with, uh, sorry, I don't know her name. Um, Grace that, Ritter, uh, our right, Thompson writer, yeah. That basically one of the athletic directors said that maybe one of the ideas is to pay out more money to the top tier, you know, members in the conference, like Clemson, giving them a bigger share of the pie because of how excellent they are on the field or, you know, in, on the basketball court or whatever the case may be, what, what they generate in terms of wins and losses, which obviously distorts everything because then the other members aren't going to be happy. Um, so what do you do? What's the move? I think the only logical move for Miami, if they're going to move conferences is to the SEC. Um, I think that old Florida State, Miami, Clemson would probably look to the SEC to jump in there. I think Notre Dame would look to the Big Ten. Um, and then all these other teams are just going to have to come together and form one or two conferences that are sort of on the outskirts of the two mega conferences and see what happens. But I think in the end, if the NCAA wants to have some sort of competitive balance and have some engagement um, and, and some attractiveness for these other teams to get revenue deals in terms of TV and, and what other rights deals they want, they have to expand the playoff. I know 32 sounds like a lot, but I think that might be the best way to go just to ensure that there's enough teams in there uh, to, to what everybody's appetite and get enough revenue for that. Well, the problem is, Carlos, I, I think part of what's going to happen here is that the NCAA is going to step away from, from regu- regulating football, especially in light of everything going on with, with the NIL, and let the conferences do it. And if that's the case, then um, the Big Ten and the SEC have no reason to expand the playoff to beyond 12. Because why? Because all Absolutely. of their teams will be at the top of the standings. They're, all of their teams will have the strength of schedule on their side and, and there'll be the argument, well, we're the best conference. We'll, we'll get nine or 10 of the spots. And where does that leave Miami and the ACC? Where does that leave, um, you know, what's left of the PAC 12? Where does that leave? Uh, what's, what, what's become of, uh, of the big 12, right? Where basically you're, you're counting on Cincinnati and UCF and Houston to come in and, and bring some life to a conference left basically with Baylor and Oklahoma state and, you know, the remnants of the big 12 teams that never really were dominant there. So it is again, the have and the have nots. Um, and, and I think in this case, if you're Miami, because of this, this deal, this uh, grant grant of rights situation where uh, any ACC team 
trying to, you know, leave basic and, and the grant of right, just so people uh, realize what it is, is that um, I'm going to get to this part in the story here because Grace and I worked, <laughs> worked on this together and I got so much going through my mind. But um, the whole trick with the grant of rights is that if you if you try to leave beforehand, um, the ACC keeps your media rights. OK, so obviously they would have to negotiate to try to change that um, when, when you exit, but you're going to pay hundreds of millions of dollars. And, and the question is, you know, will the SEC be willing to do that for Miami and Florida State uh, or will they just do that for Clemson? Right. Pay one bill, but not all of them to get to get whatever teams it wants out of there. And I think at this point, there's no incentive for them to do it for any of them. I mean, they've already got the mega conference. Why even shell out the money for Miami, Clemson, or Florida State? Right. I mean, you, you kind of keep Clemson out of the party and say, OK, Clemson, you want to come to the ACC playoff? Miami, you want to come to the to the college football playoff? Uh, win your conference and qualify for one of those 12 spots. Um, so, again, this is all about control and power. And, um, you know, ultimately, I think the only big fish left uh, in terms of the Big Ten and the SEC is Notre Dame because they have their own TV network and they're worth hundreds of millions of dollars, right, in, the, in their own right. Um, Miami's case, uh, you know, I think the administration is very much aware of what happened today and the fact that this is going to create an imbalance going forward. Um, as much money as they have spent empowering uh, Mario Cristobal giving them a great staff, great facilities. Um, you know, they're not in a situation where they're attractive enough for anybody to fork over that kind of money. And, and let's not forget the SEC didn't want Miami, even when they were winning championships, it wasn't like there was a whole conversation like, Hey, come, come play for us. Um, so I, I think, you know, Miami's in a tough situation where I think the only way they become attractive is if they take over Clemson's role and they win, start winning championships. Um, and that may take a couple of years here under Mario to get to get going that way. So um, I'll tell you this. They haven't been approached by anybody. Miami has not been approached by anybody to leave. I know that. I know that there haven't been any conversations yet about leaving the ACC. And I know that they feel good about the conference that they're in. They like Jim Phillips, the commissioner in the ACC. They like uh, being in this conference because they care about academics. That matters to, to the leaders at the school. And they like being a part of this conference. But the landscape has changed. And it's going to continue to change here in the next few years. I think yeah. one of the ways that you, you can try and you know, raise the profile of the conference and generate more revenue, or at least try and secure its place so it doesn't go extinct, is like you said, try and get Notre Dame in. And what you do is you try and entice Notre Dame by allowing them to double dip to try and allow them to get some of the ACC money while keeping their deal with NBC um, if they share a small percentage of that with the, the conference. So um, well, they did they did in 2020. By right. The and like the same the same model they had in 2020. So if they're, they're able to do that with Notre Dame and get them in, um, then I think the other thing that makes sense to me is probably bringing in uh, a Baylor, um, you know, looking at, like I said, the service academies, although they don't move the needle in terms of national Profile. Well, I think there's something to them that people like and love to see those teams play, and they, their, their style of football um, is hard-nosed and competitive. Well, one thing I was going to tell you, Carlos, is here's the issue, and somebody told me this earlier today, that the issue is the ACC has been trying to get Notre Dame to jump in for a while, and Notre Dame's refused. And the reality is 
that Notre Dame is always going to look for the prettiest girl. The prettiest girl in the situation is Big Ten. Like that's the that's the conference that makes the most sense. Um, the ACC doesn't give Notre Dame everything it wants. It hasn't. And they've tried for a long time. It's like you keep waiting to ask out that girl and then get her to come out to go out with you. And they just keep saying, no, 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 no. And I, I just think that ship has sailed. I think Notre Dame's going to go to the Big Ten eventually. I think if they end up joining a conference. Um, so you have to almost look for plan B because I think what you want to be if you're the ACC is you want to be at least a 16-team conference. You want to hold on and create more revenue. Well, who fits the bill? To me, there's Oregon. Only- to me, well, Oregon would from an athletic standpoint, um, because they're academics great. are ranked number 99. So at least they're within the top. 100. Here's here's who I, Stanford and Cal okay, yeah. and Cal, because now you get Northern California, where, by the way, all the quarterbacks are right. I mean, that's where a ton of quarterbacks come out of. And you, you get into a market where there's a built in rivalry. You can bring both of those teams over and create a rivalry situation for them. Um, and you get to 16 teams. And hopefully, you know, those other sports, Stanford is great, obviously, and, and a bunch of different sports, won a bunch of championships. Cal has, has won a bunch of different championships as well. They're two prestigious. What are they ranked, by the way? What are Cal and Stanford ranked? I mean, I would imagine Stanford is top five and Cal is like top two, 15, I would say. Let me take a look. Uh, while you're doing that, I mean, to me, that fits the profile of the ACC more than anything else. And in other sports, they're dominant. Um, but in terms of football revenue, and, Stanford is number six. Uh-huh. And this is That's assuming and this is assuming that Cal, I mean, this is assuming that, that the Pac-12 completely dissolves at this point and just sort of becomes something else. But and Cal is 22. I, I would think if I were those two programs and I'm looking for another conference that could potentially figure it out and survive, even though it's a, a, a long ass flight. Uh, for a lot of those games, I, I, that's what I would do if I were them. Or you go to 20, listen, you go to 20 teams and you break it up into four, five team divisions and you figure it out from there. Um, so you would have like a West Coast division with Cal, Stanford, maybe Oregon and possibly Baylor. Right. You could do something of that nature where you, where you bring in three Pac, Pac-12 schools and, you know, a couple big 12. Right. And the thing is here too, that the, the big 12 and Pac-12, there were already discussions. People were saying last year that they should, they should, you know, sort of form, you know, a, a super conference as well. I, I think the possibility is that there could be three super conferences. I could see that scenario, um, but I don't know that there's four. I don't know if there's enough good teams left to really form, you know, something that you could sell on TV. And then, you know, does ESPN, you know, are they are they are they going to hold on to? Does another entity come back? Maybe CBS, uh, you know, wants to put produce a whole bunch of money and be the one to take over the ACC, and you create the super conference as well, like you said, of twenty teams. I don't know. Or do those teams leave to the Big Ten and SEC? Right? Because they or really- here's 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 another idea. Like what the ACC being the the premier basketball conference, um, do they then look towards teams with better basketball programs? Mm-hmm. and solidify themselves and try and raise their profile on the basketball end and get a bigger TV deal on that side so it balances a little bit. Obviously, football is king, but right. can they generate enough revenue from the basketball side to sort of level things out for the entire conference? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I don't think you could ever... The problem is the football regular season is what's valuable and what's valuable for basketball is the postseason. Right. And and the postseason, frankly, is just too short. You can't make enough money off of that. and I don't know that the ACC is good enough. I mean, look, you only had one team ranked in the top 25 all season long this past season. It was Duke. And everybody else was kind of looked at as an after, you know, and nobody was paying attention to Miami. Nobody was paying attention to North Carolina nationally. That didn't draw eyeballs. Um, and yet they made it to the Elite Eight. But the point is, the money's made in the regular season. That's where all the matchups and excitement is, is, is produced. And it's the college football playoff. It's the 12 games that lead to the championship, right? I mean, the 12 teams that lead to, to the to playing, right? Which is what we're, we're probably headed towards. Uh, right now it's four. I mean, a lot of the other bowl games, nobody gives a damn about Carlos. I mean, there's yeah. there, ESPN has a ton of bowl. And part of it is how many kids are not even playing them because they're meaningless games, right? Now everybody, all the best players are sitting out to wait for the draft. So it this landscape has changed so much and it's incredible. If you're a college football fan, I'm sure a lot of people are booing today. They're hating this. Um, but it's the way the sport is trending, and, and we just sort of have to adjust to the world that we're living in. Um, and if you're Miami, it's a very interesting time because you, you, you it seems like you're just about to get back into the hunt, right? But now there's a clock. Yeah, is now now you're now you're waiting to see how powerful the SEC and Big Ten really get and how much control they take away from Miami might not be able to get into the game like you. Miami could potentially be in a situation here now. Okay, if these conferences go to 20 teams and Miami's not part of it, that they could go unbeaten in a season and maybe not get into the playoff. Yeah, because now they also have no incentive to cross conference schedule. Correct. They just keep their own conference schedule and only schedule a cupcake here or there as warm-ups um, and easy wins and basically just play the entire conference schedule. If you have over 20 teams and uh, you, you provide, you know, your TV contract states, you know, to ESPN or Fox, hey, we're going to give you nine games or 10 games a year, 10 conference games a year. 
I mean, that's more profitable than playing an, a, a cross-conference opponent. Now, it, again, it all depends on what happens. If it's just a power two, then hell, that screws over a lot of teams. But if somehow, some way, what's left of the Pac-12 and the Big 12 and the ACC figure out a way, you know, the, the, le- the teams that were left out of this right now figure out a way to, to team up, um, then if you can't beat them, you got to join them. I think that's what's yep. going to happen. I think you're going to have a lot of joining them. Um, and, and, and once that happens, once the top, if you're not one of those 20 teams, right? If there's, I figure there's eight more slots, okay? And I, and I spoke to this administrator today who said there's no way they go to 18. It's going to be 20 because it's impossible to schedule otherwise. Um, if you go to 20, that's eight openings, four in the Big Ten, four in the SEC. If you're not one of those eight, you may not look you may never get that opportunity again. So um, it's going to be very, very interesting times, Carlos. And it feels like it's stolen the thunder away from the way Miami finished recruiting this month. Um, I thought Mario has done a phenomenal job um, pulling in, you know, some of these kids here. I was there at legends camp, spoke to Greg Mark, uh, spoke to Sean Spence, spoke to a whole bunch of Brian McKinney getting their thoughts on Mario and the program. And I don't know, man, it seems like, you know, things are really heading in the right direction for Miami and really positive day, really positive. Look, the, the good news is at least through, you know, 2025, you've got games that could raise your national profile and, and really be showcases for you. So, you. so you've got Texas A&M this year, next year, you've got, Florida and Notre Dame in 24. You've got Florida and Notre Dame again in 25. Um, then after that, you got to figure it out. Well, part, part of what was lost, I didn't even mention this in the, in the sort of warm up, was the ACC went to that 355 format that uh, right. we, we wrote about a couple months ago, Grace and I did, and uh, Andy Bitter, our Virginia Tech writer. And, um, and of course, Miami's pairings are Boston College and Louisville, as far as. Uh, and Florida State and Florida State as part of their three permanent from 20, which is stupid to me, right? That's why 20, not Virginia Tech, right? Everybody was asking that question 2023 to 2026, those are the three common opponents, and then, um, you know, you, you, you play everybody else every other year or two times in four years, and um, yeah, I agree, that was the burning sort of my biggest criticism as well. And a lot of people that Miami Virginia Tech didn't work out, and they could have easily flipped it, they could have had. I think it was Virginia and Louisville. Um, they could have given uh, Louisville to Virginia and um, Miami um, and Virginia Tech and had that matchup sort of as the third one for both of those teams. And they didn't. Instead, they decided to, ke- to keep it that way. And so now Miami, at least for the next four years. Now yeah, we've got the, the age old rivalry, Miami versus Louisville. Correct. The one that we had briefly, right when uh, when when they played each other a few times. Yeah, um, yeah. I I don't know, man. It, it was it was really. Uh, <laughs> I, I I was surprised to see it. Um, but and here's the problem. Yeah, like as as much progress as the ACC has made compared to the SEC and the Big Ten, they do dumb shit. Like they are not as as forward thinking. Um, as as the other two conferences, and it makes me wonder, like, what the hell are they doing? Well, it's not that they're not forward thinking. I I just think, you know, look. First of all, they went to the three five five. I think before anybody else, right? I don't think any other conferences had done that yet. Now, now some other conferences had gone away from 
uh, having a divisions, right? They've gotten rid of that whole thing because they wanted to be able to uh, create better matchups. But uh, let me look at Grace's story here. I'll have it directly in front of me here. But um, let's see here. Yeah, there we go. Um, I mean, look, they wanted to create better, better rivalries. Miami Clemson, for instance, they're going to play each other. By the way, Miami and Clemson the next three years. Um, this year, Miami and Death Valley. Next year, they, they come here and play at Hard Rock. And the following year, back at uh, Death Valley. So three years in a row of Miami Clemson. That's at least good for the ACC because I think they're going to be the two best teams in the conference eventually when Mario gets his thing rolling. Um, but, um, yeah, you're going to miss that Virginia Tech game, right? That means so much. Um, what else did she write here? I'm trying to remember all the little highlights. Yeah, she said, no Virginia Tech, Miami. They got wrong. And then no Wake Forest, NC State, and Georgia Tech, Duke. Um, yeah, they had some long time. And we did a long story on this, man, breaking down the most played rivalry games, right. et cetera. And, and I'll give you a better one. I'll give you one just as good as Virginia Tech because this has been a rivalry recently. I think throughout the time Miami's been in the ACC, um, North Carolina. Yeah, that was another good one that you, that you miss out on. Um, it, it's been, you know, it's not easy to do that. Eventually, somebody's going to be, um, it's going to, somebody's going to feel left out. All right. They're going to be feeling as though, um, you know, you screwed up on one of our matchups, right? I mean, no, nobody's going to get everything that they want in this whole thing. But in the grand scheme of things, you know, I, I, I like the Boston College rivalry. It's actually one of the longer ones that Miami has played, obviously, because they were yeah, from the Big East. From the Big East. And hell, I like trips to Boston. I like going out to Boston. Yeah, you're just, you're, just gonna, you're doing it from a selfish perspective. <laughs> you're doing it because you want you want um, some, some chowder. You want some of that Boston beer from the pubs. Oh, well, listen, the reality is Louisville. I mean, we really didn't have much of a rivalry with anybody in the ACC. Okay, when they came over, um, so it's not like I don't know. It's not like some great situation. Um, I don't know, man. The schedule is going to be good. You're going to have. I mean, for Miami's purposes, let's go over 2023 schedule right now. They got. Clemson, Georgia Tech, Louisville, and Virginia at home. You got Boston College, Florida State, North Carolina, and NC State on the road. That's a pretty good uh, mix. Let me look here at the non-conference for next year. In 23, they've got Miami, Ohio, Texas A&M, and Temple. Okay, and that's Texas A&M at home, right? Correct. And then what is it in 24? 24, they have, they're at Florida, Florida A&M at home, Ball State, and at Notre Dame. So you got Florida and Notre Dame in 24 on the road. Then you have um, Ball State and FAMU at home. And you have Clemson on the road as well. So Miami in 24 has Notre Dame, wow. Florida and Clemson on the road. What, what, is that, what, what, do they have Florida State on the road also or no? They have Florida State at home, BC okay. at home, Duke at home, and Pitt at home. But they also have to go to Louisville, and they also have to go to Syracuse to the Carrier Dome and Wake Forest in 24. Wake Forest, that that might be the toughest schedule in the country, to be honest with you. Um, 2025, they are at home against Louisville, North Carolina, NC State, and Virginia Tech. You have the 25 home games there, non-conference? Yeah, it's uh, USF, Florida, Mm -hmm. and Notre Dame all at home. So Florida, Notre Dame come here. That's going to be a hell of a home schedule. Man, Man, Florida, Notre Dame, North Carolina, NC State and Virginia Tech at home. That's an awesome 25 home schedule. 
man, that should be sold out. And you think about it, that's year three for Mario yep. uh, or year, year four for Mario. One, two, three. Yep. Um, that should be a dynamic. And then on the road, you got Boston College, Florida State, Georgia Tech and Virginia, um, which th- that might be an easy road schedule. Uh, who do you who do you order the non-conference on the road? Right. I only have three in front of me. It's only USF, Florida, Notre Dame. and They're all at home. OK. And then in 26, Miami has Boston College, Florida State, Syracuse and Wake Forest at home. What's the non-conference schedule in 26? So they got three at home, FAMU, BYU, Central Michigan, and they're at South Carolina. Right. So that year. Wow. That's another very doable schedule. Uh, Duke. Louisville, Pittsburgh, and Virginia Tech on the road. Hmm. That's not too bad. No, let me tell you, if Mario goes undefeated in 24, he's earned the national title. <laughs> like he said, forget the playoff. He's earned the national title. Yeah, of course, this is what we have on the schedule now. Who knows what happens when yeah, the SEC subject to change. <laughs> I'm glad we did talk about this, though. Um, Legends camp. Um, what can I tell you about Legends Camp? You got any questions for me off Legends Camp? Um, I mean, who did you did you were out there? Who stood out? Who jumped out to you the most? You know, it, it changed quite a bit. It used to be you'd have a lot of good guys entering the senior year coming to compete in this because they wanted to raise their profile or or you know get Miami offers, etc. It was really more about the 24, 25 kids that were out there. And um, what stood out to me more than anything else uh, was the way Mario, there was a kid who broke his ankle or his foot. He had a a lower extremity injury, Randy Shannon line. Um, And Mario, I mean, the kid ended up, they had to call the ambulance, the whole thing. And uh, Mario ends up leaving and goes out there and he offers the kid a scholarship. And uh, I thought that was a really sort of nice moment, right? Where you're like, wow, you know, he... (laughs) He, he cares about this kid and, and they were going to offer him anyway, from what I was told um, out there, Kobe Howard from Pensacola Catholic um, 2025 wide receiver. And then he goes and visits him in the hospital and everything. It was a really nice story. Um, yeah. But, it, but as far as like standouts, I mean, th- this kid, Winston Watkins, um, five, uh, four-star receiver in the 2025 class. I saw him out in Las Vegas when I was out there a couple weekends, uh, a couple weeks ago, he, he played for Cam Newton's team. One of the best players on the field. And that was with the South Florida Express out there. and Just a dynamic wide receiver. I think he's he's a Texas A&M commitment. But uh, the fact that he was there at Miami, good sign, right? He came to the camp. Maybe who knows if they can sway him. There's a long time to do that. Um, who else was there? Jojo Trader from Miami Central, part of the SFE team. Uh, five-star, you know, wide receiver, DB type. Probably going to go to Ohio State. But um, out of Miami Central, super talented, I think. Miami's, you know, Demarcus Van Dyke has a great relationship with him, um, and a lot of the 2024 elite kids, uh, including Jeremiah Smith. So uh, Jeremiah Smith wasn't there at the Miami uh, Legends camp, but he was visiting there previously, unofficially. Uh, he was on campus. Demari Brown, uh, for 2023 four-star uh, DB cornerback, another guy who's high on Miami. He was there. Um, Jaden Bonsu, a four-star uh, safety out of New Jersey. He had taken an official visit earlier in the month, ended up stopping by uh, for Legends Camp. I think he canceled a trip to Texas to come down there. And then, um, you know, Ray Ray, Nathaniel Joseph, he was there as well. Um, you know, Miami's uh, got got a chance here in the next couple of days to land some of the top kids. 
Um, the one I was writing about, and I'm still trying to put this story out. I mean, today's today's news was kind of <laughs> kind of sent me backwards a little bit with everything that's kind of going on. But um, is is this tight end, the number two ranked tight end in the country, Riley Williams, 6'6", 230 out of Portland, Oregon. That's the guy that I think most people are expecting will commit tomorrow to Miami. Um, but the Canes have been in a good position with a lot of players. Um, Jackson Howard, a 6'4", 245-pound edge rusher from uh, Minnesota, who I met at the spring game. Um, you know, he was there on an official visit last week, and I spoke to him during the visit. Um, you know, he's choosing between Miami, LSU, Michigan, and Minnesota. He'll announce tomorrow. Uh, I think LSU is the favorite. And then you have um, five-star offensive tackle Francis uh, Maui Goa, uh, 6'5", 330 pounds. He's the number one offensive tackle in the country from IMG Academy. He's announcing on July 4th. So those are all um, the big names uh, to watch here the next uh, you know week or so as far as Miami's concerned, um, as far as commitments. But, you know, I thought the Canes did a good job um, – getting people to just come and visit, man. Like that's such a big part of June. And, you know, Mar the place was packed and whether or not they're 2023 20, kids or 24, 25 or a lot of great players there. So Miami's in the hunt. And uh, if you do the average rankings, Carlos, the commitment rankings, Miami's actually 11th in the country right now. Um, I know they ranked 21st, but 90.27 average in terms of the quality of recruits. So, right. It, they get a few more of these four and five stars. They're going to climb up high into those rankings. And then come December, we'll see what happens. If they can sign them all and, and Mario hangs on to some of them. And I think he'll be in the top 10 for sure. I think certainly, I think they're certainly trending that way for sure. Um, I wanted to ask, well, I, I wanted to get into our mailbag questions as well. Um, you want to do those? Sure. All right. Let me, let me switch over here to the wide right Twitter thing because I'm getting bombarded now with ACC related oh God, here we and go. UCF questions. I was on a UCF podcast earlier tonight. They needed me to come on because I wrote the big UCF state of the program. Um, and now I'm getting, um, you know, bombarded on, on UCF and, and the ACC news from tonight. All right. This is uh, what do we have here? What do we have here? All right. Here we go. This is from Stephen Thunder. Or 56 Blacksican. I think you might have seen this one, Carlos. When are you announcing your NIL deal? Yeah, I, I gave him the uh, the top gun meme, negative <laughs> ghostwriter. <laughs> yeah, there's no NIL deals for us, brother. Um, this is from. Uh, Although we, we can start a collective, and if you guys want to contribute to our beer and chicken yeah, we, collective, you give us the responses on Twitter. If anybody's willing to create a collective for, uh, for the Wide Ride podcast, I would give all the money to you, brother, because you're you're playing sick and you and you come on here every week for free. No, no. What we would do is we would order a sports grill with the money <laughs> and beer, and we would drink that beer and take pictures of ourselves eating and drinking it, and then send it to the person or the people that sent us the money as part of the collective, and that'll be their NFT, if you will, in there return. You there you go. All right. Here is uh, Greg or G Reg Third Leg on Twitter. Uh, Which, by the way, what what if? What if some of the classic Hurricanes players, if there was NIL deals back in the day, um, if they had like their own small business sort of tie-ins, can you imagine having the Greg Olson's third leg lounge? I was thinking You're about right. that today. I don't know why. I don't know. This is like fortuitous. <laughs> I did ask Sean Spence about that, by the way, the other day um, at, at the Legends camp about, A, the facilities, 
you know what? I might actually share some of that audio. I had interviews with those guys. I wanted to write a story. And then I had my little health issue this week, all this recruiting news. It's like, I can never catch up, man. Like, I don't know how these other websites keep up with all this stuff, man, but I, I, I work on my own pace here. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I know that, I know that all these guys wish NIL had existed, but I, I think they, they might've all lost their deals with off the field, uh, shenanigans. So. Right. But they, I'm sure that we got to pay more with the NIL. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Question for the pod. How do you see realignment playing out for the Canes? Also, how grateful should we be? Blake James isn't in charge during all of this. Um, but we discussed the first part. Yeah, we covered the first part. How grateful should we be that Blake James isn't in charge during all this? Well, Blake's uh, an athletic director now at Boston College. I don't know if you heard. He ended up getting hired at, at BC, which I think is a good fit for him. Um, I don't think Blake James was necessarily a problem in terms of leadership during crisis like this. I think it was more the hiring practices, right, in terms of mm-hmm. football coach and rushing to, to hire Manny Diaz. So I'm not going to I'm not going to attack Blake on this one. What I will say is I think it's good that you have the experience yep. of Dan Radakovich in this situation and that you have an administration at Miami led by Rudy Fernandez and. Dr. Julio Frank and the people involved there, as well as, you know, board of trustees that obviously are watching this situation with realignment and are well aware that, hey, we've got to put the university in the best situation. So I think it's better that the University of Miami woke up uh, per se and that they have people. In I think we should be we should feel blessed that all the things that came to a head came to a head and all the changes that were made were made right before all of this popped just because these people are serious about putting, like you said, the university in the best position possible and are smart and shrewd enough to make the right decisions. Correct. This is Stephen Thunder again, 56 blacks again. Have you managed to get on Ruiz's jet yet? Negative ghost rider. (laughs) (laughs) I have not been able to get, by the way, Top Gun Maverick. uh, Phenomenal. Um, movie. I've been meaning to ask about that. I saw you saw it the other day. Uh, Yes. Probably one of the best, uh, I don't want to say remakes, but certainly pick up, you know, after 30 years or whatever long it was from doing that movie to now. Um, I thought this version of this movie was even better than the original. Wow. Um, now, just, is there a scene that beats the beach volleyball in the jeans scene? Well, yes, I, I, I think so. I think there's there's a couple scenes. And, uh, and I think part of it is because they redo that scene a little bit. Okay. Ah, I, so like the, I like the callback. You're going to like you, there's a lot of callbacks in it. And uh, I just thought the story overall was was pretty good. It, it kind of sucked you in. So to me, um, Maverick Top Gun, good, worth worth the money. What's not worth the money is Jurassic World. If you go, yeah, see Jurassic, you're going to really be disappointed. And uh, I, I was. Um, so those are my recommend re- recommendations. I'd love to get on Ruiz's jet, although I will say they had a really rough ride. The uh, immortal seven on seven team that had to fly to Las Vegas was really rough jet ride, so uh, they didn't enjoy it. Um, all right, this is from was Corey. Ruiz piloting it himself? Or no, it? he was not flying the plane. This is from Corey Lowe, Tamara, uh, Tamara Corey Lowe, two on Twitter. Do you have any idea how the ACC chose the three teams we'll be playing every year? Seems strange they picked Louisville and Boston College. Thanks, Manny. Yeah, they, they went with Florida State and then it just picked out of a hat. <laughs> I think I think what probably happened is that each athletic director came with their wants, uh, a list of the three that they wanted, and they probably rewarded 
most of those schools with two. And then that third one became optional, right? Where you just had to kind of, you know, throw names in a hat. And I, and I think Miami drew Louisville because not a lot of people wanted Louisville. Now, um, I think Louisville came in there with the mint juleps and started handing it around they, the ACC commissioner's office. My, they might have put Miami first because they got a lot of their best players from Miami, right, from the area down here. So maybe that was part of the, uh, the deal for Louisville. Who knows? All right, this is from Kane, Mr. Kane, fifty-one fifty. With the Big Ten making expansion move, do you see the ACC expanding, or do you see a couple teams leaving the conference and joining the SEC Big Ten? All right, make your prediction. What do you think happens, Carlos? Um, I, I think we have three mega conferences of twenty teams. I agree. I think that's probably where we're headed. Um, where where Miami ends up, I think because of the. Uh, the grant of rights in the ACC, it's going to be hard for them and Clemson and a lot of other teams to escape. I think Miami stays in the ACC uh, for the next, you know, probably 10 years. And the ACC adds a couple of teams to get to 16. And then, you know, are they the third super conference? Maybe not. Uh, maybe they're just kind of dangling there in the SEC and the, and, and the Big Ten are, are doing well. I think the SEC and Big Ten are certainly going to expand. I think Oregon's certainly a big-time target uh, for all of those, you know, for both of those conferences. Um, but I, I think in the end, uh, I, I could see a Stanford-Cal addition as well as, like you mentioned, Carlos, um, you know, maybe a West West Coast side of the uh, of the ACC. Yeah, you get Cal, Stanford, and if you can land Oregon uh, and Baylor, I think that gives I mean, you a pretty high profile. You, you've got four teams right now, uh, 14 teams right now in the ACC. If you were to add six West Coast teams, um, you could form a division or some sort of, um, you know, approach where that's that's a worthwhile thing, right? They stay in it and they get to play teams on this side and, and maybe there's some good TV matches. The problem yeah, I think is, you pick up you probably pick up a couple of teams from Texas and then the rest from that West Coast area. Yeah, but you know, um, <laughs> who it ends up being, I have no clue right now. I, I would say Stanford and Cal seem like the most that makes sense to me right now as far as getting to 16. Beyond that, yeah, and I think from Texas, the ones that make sense to me are uh, SMU and Baylor. Uh, just because Houston's academic ranking to me is a little too too low, the other one would be Rice, but they're terrible. Right, and and the problem is SMU. You know the Big Twelve, their expansion. You know how do you pull? It's gonna be it's gonna be messy. It's gonna be blood and guts everywhere. Um, all right, this is from Dave at Left Dog Two. What effect is alumni being back on campus helping in recruiting and culture change? Um. I think it's obviously always positive when you for, for these kids, right, to see these these coaches, Jason Taylor being out there. I think there's a positive effect. Um, but, you know, in the end, are these kids picking Miami because of the greats being there? I'm not that romantic with that idea, with that story. I think in the end, um, what these kids want to be is excited. And, and the sad part is, I'll be honest with you, I, I think most of these kids have no idea who all these old guys are. Yeah. I think you're right. I think they, they, they would rather see the presidential alumni on the green bills than the UM alumni. <laughs> I think NIL plays a much bigger fact. All right. This is David Engelson on Twitter. Manny. Wow. I mean, wow. This is on another level now. Have you heard from any of the players on what the vision is that crystal ball is selling these kids? Also, have you heard the differences in the recruiting approach of these players by UM versus UF versus FSU? Um. Well, like Carlos just said, uh, I think 
NIL plays a factor in all this for Miami, and they have a good system right now. Um, are these kids simply picking Miami because of an out? No, I think they're picking Miami because Crystal Ball is a great recruiter, because they have staff, and because they've invested in the future. Um, Florida, yeah, it's a combination of everything together. Yeah, it's everything. I think Florida and Florida State, um, they're not, hey, first of all, they're not having terrible recruiting classes. All right. We want to sit here and make fun of the Gators and Seminoles. I get it. Um, but if you were to rank, Again, that same system I told you earlier where you get the average quality recruit, Florida State, I mean, Miami's 11, Florida State's 15, and Florida's 16. Not that big of a gap, bro. Um, so that's what I would say to that. You rolled your eyes at me. No, I, I was looking at my way. <laughs> I was not rolling my eyes at you. <laughs> David Hernandez, which is more of a possibility by 2025, Miami leaving the ACC or Notre Dame joining the ACC? Huh. Uh, honestly, probably Notre Dame not joining the ACC. Right. But, uh, you know, fingers crossed. I'll say join the ACC. Well, I, I say they entice Notre Dame somehow. They have uh, some sort of they blackmail them somehow to get them into the conference. Who knows? Use any means necessary. All right. We're going to wrap this up, man. Um, Spectrum News Asher Wildman on Twitter says, Manny, this year is 2020. The year is 2025. Who on this coaching staff is still with Mario and who or how many from this year's staff will be head coaches? Seems like Mario has stacked coaches like he's stacking recruits and players at positions. I love I love like uh, questions that take you into the future. It's almost <laughs> like we've got in the DeLorean, um, which, by the way, have you seen they're making a new electric DeLorean? I have not. That's something I got to check out. Yeah. Then they've got to bring back a, a new like Back to the Future remake. They're going to do a new DeLorean. It just it has to go. Um, so how many of these guys are still on staff? I think maybe Frank Ponce on offense. Uh, maybe, you know, Mirabal for sure. Um, maybe Steven Field. Um, uh, I think that's about it. I think on offense, I think, you know, they're going to, Gaddis is going to be a head coach pretty quickly, maybe within next year. Um, I think Kevin Smith is going to get an offensive coordinator job or take a, a leap somewhere else at some point. Um, on defense, uh, you know, Kevin Steele, I think he's going to be a lifer down here. I think this is his last stop unless he gets a really great head coaching opportunity. You know, he's an older guy. I don't know that he has the energy to run an entire program anymore. Um, so I'll give him 50, 50, you know, um, I think, uh, Charlie strong will be gone. I think he'll have either another coordinator position or, or uh, head coaching position somewhere, either in league or in college football. Um, I think, you know, a die will be gone as well. Um, he'll probably be a defense coordinator or, or head coach somewhere. Um, maybe Jason Taylor becomes the, the defensive line coach. Maybe he steps in, um, if the defensive line coach decides to leave, I'm going to say 50% of the coaching staff will still be here. The other 50%. Will be gone. I, I can't disagree with your assessment. I think, um, th those seem like sound, uh, decisions to me. Um, I think Jason Taylor will eventually be the defensive line coach here. Um, I think Jamil Adai will be gone. I think Josh Gaddis will be gone. Uh, I think Frank Ponce could be gone if he's not offensive coordinator. Um, interesting situation to uh, to see here in the next few years. But, yeah, there's going to be turnover. I mean, it always is. There's always turnover. So, yeah. uh, Carlos – Please thank you. Uh, thank your wife for me for letting you uh, be on the show playing hurt tonight uh, as you were. 
Uh, the so Rona can't stop me. Yeah, I know. I know the Rona can't stop you, brother. I appreciate you coming on. I'm going to I think I'm going to include interviews uh, with Greg Mark, former Hurricane, who was a teammate of Mario's at Miami. Famous Hurricanes defensive end, if you don't remember him. You remember I do. Mark. Uh, I also have uh, conversations uh, with Sean Spence and, and Bryant McKinney that I could include here. I, we'll see what, what we play. We'll see what uh, Mike Zimmerman includes here. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe we just tell you to come back next week. I don't know. I'm going to leave the mystery here to Mike. It's kind of like a choose your own adventure. Exactly. All right, everybody. That's going to wrap up this week's episode. Thank you for listening. Wide Right will be back next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I don't, when was the last time you'd been around? Um, I came last year to the uh, Paradise Camp. You did. So yeah. you were you were here for Manny's last year. I was. How does this compare to to that year? Um, similar. I, a lot of it was similar. Um, uh, I feel like it was like a little more competition mm-hmm. out here. Um, a little more juice. Yeah. But they both was good. Have you been talking to the new coaching staff a ton or not really? I have. I mean, I talked to Chris Ball a couple of times. Yeah. Me, and, uh, me and Charlie Strong got a good relationship. You do, okay. Yeah, uh, funny dude, man. I love him. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think that Chris Ball will do maybe differently, you know, maybe to Manny? I mean, being a player, I'm sure that's a, be an impact, right? I mean, right. I mean, I think Chris Ball knows what it takes to win. Yeah. He's uh, he's won here. Yeah. Um, he won everywhere he went. Yeah. Uh, so I think that'll be, you know, an easy, not an easy transition because everything is hard, but. I think he'll be able to get the job done just because he knows he knows the know-how. Right. How much do you think NIL has changed the game, man? It's been crazy, right? What, what would you Northwestern guys been able to get? Come man, on, look here. I Tell me that. Two questions. <laughs> so I think NIL has changed the game completely. I feel yeah. like uh, it's not more so about relationships no more with kids. You know how when you had to recruit, you had to build a relationship with, the, with those kids and really get the norm. I feel like the more you have to get the norm and you also have to have the money to back it up. Right. Now, to the other question about us coming out of high school, I don't know how much money we would have got, but I think it would have been a lot. <laughs> it would have been a lot. It would have been a lot. What, what would it have been? Like, I mean, you see some of the figures. You see the quarterback at, at uh, Tennessee, $8 million over two. I think Jacory definitely would have got between 5 to $8 million. You think so? Something yeah. like that, yeah. For sure. I don't know what it would have gave me, but... But him, you know, Jacory was a rock star. Yeah. So he definitely got whatever was the highest. He right. got that. Now all these guys are making money. They're selling commercials. They're on the payroll with Ruiz. I mean, it kind of it's a different deal, right, compared to what you – what was the struggle like for you in college? Man, it was a struggle. We used to – first of all, we used to have – we used to eat in the cafeteria with the regular students. He did. Yeah, so we like that food – we would go to McDonald's. So a lot of my meals came from McDonald's. Really? A lot. What would you get? What number? Two double cheeseburgers, mac sauce only, a medium fry, and a hot ski orange. That was your. That, that was, was your, my day. I still remember. Every day after practice. Every or? day, almost, and I, almost every day, unless I went home and got a, a good meal. Right. But uh, before then, we just be eating, you know, basic stuff. Now they have their own cafeteria. They getting good five star meals every day. So 
a lot has changed. How much do you think that impacted the way you guys performed? Um, you know, Alabama and these other schools have had this stuff for a while. I mean, looking back at it, I, I don't, I mean, knowing the stuff I know now, they probably could have. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, but I don't use that as an excuse because they had this and we did. Right. I feel like we was equipped with enough to get a job when we just did. Right. And what about this facility practicing indoors? Shit, sure, you guys never did that. Not, never. It never rained every time we practiced. Yeah. Every time it'd be raining, we got ready to go to practice. The sun would come out. So this indoor really wasn't needed, but I think it's nice to have, man. You got to have this kind of stuff when you're recruiting against the Alabamas, the Georgias, uh, the Floridas. You got to have stuff that can compete, you know, stuff that make you feel good when you walk in. You know, walking in and just being able to have access to a dome, it, it just feels good. What do you think of the linebacker position here? Did you watch him much last year? Yeah. Uh, oh, I did. I did. I, uh, I'm a linebacker, so anytime I'm watching football, you, I watch linebacker. There, yeah. yeah um, you say who I like? Yeah, I, I like all of them. Um, I um, I worked out. I worked out with some 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 of them uh, earlier this year. Yeah, I was flag. A couple of those guys, and I think Keon Keon Smith. I think they'll be good, man. Um, uh, I think that you got to play with confidence, you know, and know that you know they're the leader. Want to get a coach? Other defense. <laughs> we're trying to get you to coach now. Yeah, they've been trying. I actually, I have an internship. And, um, and with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Okay, you're with them now. I'm going in the summer. Okay, for, for, for camp. What so, have you been doing since football finished? Um, really just being a stay-at-home dad, taking care of the kids. How many guys? Uh, four. Four. Yeah. I saw that and uh, training kids, linebackers. I actually been training them. Really? Like on Sundays. Uh, I had a couple. You probably don't know. Them. Okay. A couple of kids. I had two kids from the West. Okay. That came out. Um, Kareem. And one of, them, one of them, the Spanish guy, I call him Rico Suave. I can't even pronounce his name. The <laughs> Spanish guy. Yeah, I call him Rico Suave. Rico Suave. Um, and then I got uh, a lot of young kids. I got one that plays at uh, at uh, Somerset, Marie. Okay. I, can't remember, I can't remember his last name. So you train these guys on Sundays? I train them on Sundays. But now you think a coaching bug might get you? Coaching bug might get me. Yeah, we'll Tampa see. Bay for the intern. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Four kids, what are the ages? Uh, Ten... 10, 5, 4, 5 months. Five months. And they're, and they're boys or girls? Three girls, one boy. My boy, he actually over there. He's over the blue one. Okay. He got a football in his hand. How old is he? He's five. He's the five. What's his yeah. name? Sean. Sean Jr. Junior, yeah. Okay, so we, we can expect him here in For what sure. class is that? 35? I don't know, but he'll be here. <laughs> Just Mario taking over, and I'm sure as a former player, I know all you guys are happy about Oh, we definitely decided. That's why a lot of people I feel like came out here supported. Even the people who Mario wasn't probably around. Like you have your Lamar Millers, you have different players who Duke Johnson, I seen a bunch of other guys, but they all came back. I feel like they know the words been passed around. Like right. let's definitely come back and support and get back to where we need to be. Mario is also a two-time uh, national championship here, champion here as a player and a one-time national champion as a coach. And he was my coach, so. Yeah. Definitely want to support him. Definitely helped me out a lot. Um, he took the extra time with me, especially when it came to those big games. So I appreciate him. Definitely going to come back here and always support and kind of help wherever I can. 
happy, makes us feel welcome. That's a big thing. I feel like coaches in the past, at the beginning, be like, yeah, come, come. And then it's like, oh, it's like, we're not trying to take you out job. But Mario understands. I feel like the coach staff understands. We're just here to help. Right. I think that was, you're right. I think you hit it on the head. I think a lot of the previous coaches probably thought, well, these guys want a job here. They want to take my job. And, and how has it been different just the first few months, like with you guys? Um, just me even talking to the O-line coach. And he was just like, hey, I need you to come back. And I, I pulled him to the side today. And he said, listen. I'm not here to take your job. I just be trying to get the knowledge that I have to somebody yeah. to make this program better. Like yeah. I have a lot of knowledge store here, but it's it's doing nothing. So yeah. he understood. And like it's, it's it's about the program. It's not about me. You know what I'm saying? It's about getting the kids better, bringing the program back to where it needs to be. And guess what? I feel like the offensive line is always the engine. Yeah. To the car. Yeah. The quarterback is the driver. The receivers and the and the running back getting tight end is the wheels. But guess what? The car can't go nowhere without the engine. So yeah. we gotta we gotta get in line moving people out of the way. What what do, you, what do you think of Zion? You know, I mean he's a left tackle, you, you know, people um, talking about him getting drafted next year. What I feel like I would get a chance more to see him because I remember when we came in, I never got a chance to really like work with him. I see him, I, I see him, he got thrown in the game at a young age, you know, which gives him experience. Yeah. But I feel like this year I get a chance to what would him more give some advice or critique, you know, because I'll be able to watch film or, you know what I'm saying? Like, send me yeah. something. If you struggle with something, send it to me. I'll watch it and I can t- try yeah. to figure out how to help correct it. But, Any initial thoughts just on what you've seen so far of him? Body-wise or anything? Um, so, like his physical design, you know, the way he's built. He put on he put on a lot of weight. He came here like 240 pounds. Zion Nelson. Just curious. Well, when I first came to UM, I was slim too, slim. Right? So y'all thought I was just big. Yeah. I was 19 though, because I came from junior college. Right. But I still was. I still was. Maybe 300. Okay. And he was But when I first got out of high school, I was 245. Yeah. You were. Okay. I went to junior college for two years and okay. started lifting weights. But by the time I got here, I was six eight. Yeah. So even when I came here my junior year, I was like 330, and they felt like. Oh, you need to gain weight. I'm like 330 pounds, but it's just when you're six eight, it looks different. Yeah, you know, so yeah. Um, well, they got another kid out of Lackawanna. You saw that, right? Yeah. The receiver told me today. So yeah, yeah. I'm happy about that too. I need to call Coach Duda. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they got kids coming. That's great. I, 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 I want to meet him because. You know, Came from he's, uh, yeah, same place. Right, so. I think he's originally big into New York kids, so, but okay. yeah, basketball kid. Um, so, what do you think needs to happen, man? Like, what's what's maybe fair expectations for year one for, for him here? Year one, um, I feel like year one don't expect them to go out and win the national championship year one, but right. expect them to go out there and compete. Right. I feel like a lot of games, you know, came down to like. Uh, like the will or like, you know, expecting, you know what I mean? Like, oh, well, what is it? Like, I feel like you'll see a lot more fight. I expect to see like a lot more fight. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, I think the team will do good. It's, you just gotta groom them, you gotta get everybody together, you gotta get everybody to buy into the system and it's fine. But year one, I feel like you'll see a spark, you'll see like some excitement. Yeah. Year two, you're starting to see growth. Like, you know what I'm saying? Year three, it should be like, okay. Yeah. And then by then, some of the people who were, like, you know, not sure, by year three, you're bringing out people in who yeah. want to come and make a difference. Yeah. Should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. It seems like it's a lot more excitement, right? I mean, amongst the players, you guys all it talking. Is because you finally have a coach who understands what it is to be a Miami Hurricane. Right. You have other coaches who did things based off of what they heard or 
however they assumed that Hurricane was, but like I said, he was here, a two-time national champion as a player and a coach. So he knows the philosophy. Mm-hmm. So he knows how it looks to win as a player and as a coach. Yeah. You can't. Right, we didn't have that before. That's experience. You can't get that. Like other players, other coaches was coming in and they saw rumors or whatever they was, you know, just try to make my, or they try to change Miami. Like, you know, so it was like, yeah. Miami's Miami. Right. There's only one way Don't to change do it. Don't change it. There's only one way to do right. it. And we okay with people not liking us. <laughs> you know, some coaches try to come and be friendly, wearing all these tidy, colorful ties, and whatever, right. everybody like you. We don't worry about that. <laughs> all right, man. Good talking to you, man. Appreciate sure. it. Uh, so obviously you have a former guy in charge what is, how did that uh, speak to you when, when he got hired well you know <laughs> it, 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 it says a lot to be honest with you it's a guy that's been here been through it understands what this program where it came from uh, what we need to do to be successful um, you know and, and traditionally we've always been the hardest working uh, get the best, you know, get, get some of the best players in here. Not the highest rated players, the best players for the program. And, and you know, it comes down to, the, to a guy like him that's seen that, been there. He had to leave to get the experience for that he has now to come back. And it's just an exciting time, really, is for us former players. I'm sure the fans are, but, for, but just speaking from a former player perspective, have a guy that, that, that you've been in the trenches with that knows what it takes, uh, it means all the world. How, how long has it been since you've been back? I was here, uh, let's see, I was at the baseball game, regional game. (laughs) To be in the football uh, part of it, it's been a while. I mean, I've come back for a reunion here and there, you know, when we have our our championship reunions. But uh, but as far as being involved on the field, being around the players, being around the coaches, it's been a little while. It's been something that we... yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. <laughs> it's been something that you know always I think it's lip service to a certain degree from past and I don't want to throw any any other on the bus right. but but it's got lip service I mean I think it's a good idea or it was an idea but they didn't understand what it meant right so we're here I remember when I was player guys would come back you know ex-players former players guys that are still in the NFL maybe not in the NFL would come back and they're there they're there encouraging up I and mean, you want it to live up to their mm-hmm. legacy what they started what they you know the foundation that they gave you so so it meant a lot you know and then um, and in the past uh, you know, it's been a little bit of lip service maybe not quite as much uh, as, as we could have but I think Mario's really really understands the value of that oh of course and we're not just a program we're a family yeah. and you know and, and, and to have guys that have uh, have that experience I've been here guys that you know whether you played in the NFL or you just went through the program where, where, where it's, it's invaluable to these younger guys to see that to be around that to, yeah. to learn from that did he call you and say come please or how did that work out? I spoke to him actually I was here for the Hall of Fame they had the fishing tournament the fish right. tournament I was at the and he mentioned it it was probably last Thursday uh-huh. said well we're thinking about doing it I'm going to send out an invitation you want to do it and I said yeah send me whatever you need whatever you need yeah. So I think we got the invitation on Thursday, and we're here Saturday. Yeah. So it's, it was a kind of a short notice, but whatever it takes, man. Well, yeah. Glad to be here. And yeah, I, I was with the guys in October when, when the whole thing with Manny, before they even fired Manny, Alonzo, all these guys, Melvin. They're like, man, we, we just need somebody somebody who understands what this place meant. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm not going to I, I, I thought Manny did. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I thought Manny did a hell of a job last year. Really? Okay. I really do. And, 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 I, and I say that, and from a perspective of being a coach. Okay. I was right. a coach. I know what it takes. You know, sometimes the ball bounces funny ways. Ball bounces the right way a few of those games. He's three more wins, and we're not, we're not, he might right. not be in this situation right now. Right. So, but it's a funny game. But I thought, I thought what Manny did 
you know, to harp on, and not to talk about on harp on anything the negatives, but on the positive, he, he was. I think his players cared for him. He kept his players engaged. They were playing on you know the entire season. Some of the results, they, he didn't lose his players. He didn't lose them after a loss, which which to me. I got to give props to that. I think that's that's a, and again, talking from a coach down. Now, from an alumni and a former player, obviously, we need to have better results, and right. and and I think I think there was a better way to go about it. Some things, uh, and I think we're going to see that in the near future, if not currently. Where, where are you at now? Where are you? Where are you I live here. I live in Miami. Okay. I'm still in Miami. I have a businesses on Miami Beach, and okay. so I'm only ten minutes away now. Now that now they now that I'm allowed to come back over, I can you, I can hang out and, and check out some film and. You, talk to some coaches. You and Mario, did you, any years you overlapped? Or? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mario came in. Mario, uh, when did he come there? He was, like 87, uh, yeah, I was, I was, I got there 85 to 89. So he right, was, there so was three, there. three years. Yes, he, he actually played a bunch. Uh, well, Lou, Lou was, uh, his brother was closer to mine. He was one year behind right. me. So, yeah, we had we had a couple teams together. And then when, we, when I was D-line coach here, he had come back as a GA and then he became so a tight ends together. coach and we worked together then. People were telling me he's so much more, relaxed compared to the intensity that he used to be you know the guy who would get into fights and with his brother and all that kind of stuff has he mellowed out a little bit in your mind you think or is he, what's, what's the intensity level like? well mellowed out might not be the proper <laughs> okay. adjective the proper to put okay. on matured? i think he's matured and he's okay. focused that that uh, that energy to a more positive direction. I mean, okay. listen, we were all knuckleheads at one point. We all did <laughs> right. things. We all reacted. Yeah. We all had too much testosterone going on and thought we were king of the world. Uh, but uh, Mario, let me tell you, he's he's a relentless worker, a relentless recruiter. He's he's meticulous, and you know, and he's 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 dedicated to this. Yeah. I mean, it's not. I, I see I see it in his voice. I hear him talk. I, I hear it in his voice. I see him. What he's doing here. I see the the staff he's he's assembled. And it's it's impressive, and, and you don't get that you don't and if if it's not genuine, and right, he is. Right. So I think that energy you were talking about, that yeah. wildness, has been focused into a, a, a laser focus of concentration focus, and knows what he wants and knows how to go get it. You'll see the intensity come out. Yeah. You'll see him come out and some talking when he gets it gets fired up a little bit, <laughs> right. but it's focused in the right way. And, I, and that's that's just he said it upstairs when we were talking a little bit. He said that you know he had to leave. To find, you know, to find his way back, right. you know, learn, and, and and that's and that's and I think there's a, there's a lot of truth to that. I think he went out there, learned, got on different staffs, all different ways, you know, refined his own abilities, you know, made his mistakes, and you know, that's that's how he's that's in his position right now. Yeah. yeah, so that's we're what, really excited. Last one, and I'll let you go. Yeah. What, what, what's a fair expectation for you guys internally? Because you guys, uh, are sure this is like, hey man, see, we need a winner. Right? Listen, I, I, it's playoffs or bust for me. No, just kidding. <laughs> I mean, if that's I, I, that's my first thought, but right. in reality, though, knowing 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 knowing, uh, you know, being on the other other side, you know, when you're on the field, you think you can do anything. Right. You know, you, you have that ability. You have that confidence. Yeah. You think you have, that you have that ability to mm-hmm. make the difference in every game. Mm-hmm. And your coach. You know, you start seeing the realities of that a little bit more. You see what it takes, how many different moving parts. It's the greatest team sport mm-hmm. ever to be played. Yeah, you could have nine guys or ten guys do the right thing, one guy do the wrong thing, and the play doesn't work. Right. So it's so so it's so it's going to uh, it's going to depend. Uh, in reality, it's going to depend on how well they come together. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I know they're going to work hard to do that. Uh, but realistically, you know. I, 
I'm looking at eight, nine wins, I think, right. is, a, is a good benchmark to start off. Now, I know we want to shoot. We want to win every game. We're going to shoot to win every game. But my, my biggest uh, barometer for, for, for how this team, uh, how I judge this team moving forward is not how, not how many they win. I mean, obviously that matters. It's the, it's the, it's the way they play right. in a loss, how they play after a loss, how they play after a big win. You know, those are the things that you see a team uh, that's in the, going in the right direction or the wrong direction, depending right. on what they're doing. Because right. you don't let if you have a bad game or you you lose a tough game, you don't let that turn into two losses. Right. You turn it around, you learn, and you move forward. Too much. And you see it too much, way too much. There's so yeah. much emotion in this team sport that it's 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 it's, it's tough. So that's going to be really realistically that would be that would be extremely uh, a successful season to me. Eight yeah. nine wins, but but building. Right, you know, building now, hey, if we go out there and pull one of our hats and get into the, the double digits and yeah. start going, I, I can see that happening too. And obviously, I'll be rooting for that. But, yeah. uh, but in reality, um, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to put too much expectation. Yeah. You know, I want to stay in the, in, in the lighter, yeah, a little yeah. bit in the world of uh, the world of reality, a little bit with it. So, because I, again, I don't know. I'm, obviously, the recruits that he brought in, the mm-hmm. guys, the transfers he brought in, they may make a big difference, but. From what we lost last year, talent-wise, to what we have going into the spring, you know, I mean, you got to be realistic about it right now. Who was, was last year you coached, by the way? Oh, 2005. 2005. The and then what did you do? You just got into business? Yeah, I, wanted, I, I became a civilian is what I call it. <laughs> <laughs> was it tough giving it up or not? Yeah, you know what? It's, 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 coaching is not a job. Mm-hmm. I don't care what anybody says. It's a lifestyle. Right. And because you have your seasons, and even now it's even more crazy because of the different recruiting seasons that you have. The, the transfer pool, transfer pool. You got the transfer pool. Then you got uh, then you got the the mid year signees. Then you got the you know then you got the regular signing period. So there's a lot more that goes into it now. But uh, but it's a lifestyle. You go through. You, you know, you're not home for this holiday and that holiday. Your vacations are skipping a certain time. I mean, it takes a it's, level of insanity, doesn't it? A little bit of uh, it is a little bit. And yeah. you know, and when you're in it, it's normal. Right. Now, when I stepped out of it after a couple of years, I did get I did get a few interviews and thought about it and wanted to maybe had an offer and I was just like, you know, I like I like my family. Yeah. <laughs> I like being home for Halloween. I like going yeah. trick or treating. I like yeah. you know being there. so so, um, you know, it, 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 it's been it was a it was a I had to wean off of it because you miss the the camaraderie, you miss the development of players, you miss being around the guys, you miss. You know, obviously Saturdays and, and, and what that brings and, and all, all the relationship stuff that that, that, that uh, is so special when you're in, yeah. in a team program like that. But but you know what? Now, now I got to know my kids a little bit better. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm fortunate. I was very fortunate. I, got, I, I feel like I've lived a couple different lives, yeah. you know, with it. So. Did your boys end up playing football at all? Or? I don't have any boys. No, boys. no, no all, all girls. Boys. And no, none I'm of them play, sp- none of them play sports. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a very proud dance dad. I'm a very, pr- I'm a very proud <laughs> musical theater dad. Okay. And, you know, I do it all. I sport. I go and, you know, I, I'm trying to learn all the stuff the best I can. How, how old are your girls now? I've got 13, 16, and 20. Okay. Mine are 11 and 6. So, but they're at dance school and all that. So. Yeah, so I'm a dance dad. We're going up to the Nationals in Orlando on July 1st for five days. We'll be uh-huh. we'll be ready to go. Team will be prepared. I got yeah. I got to give them a pregame speech. You do? You no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. They want me out of there. They don't. They don't need me there. <laughs> but yeah. uh, so you coached how many years was it, Greg? Total. Uh, well, I was uh, D line coach for nine years, mm-hmm. and then I, I I was GA for three years prior to that. Yeah, and I went to Utah State in between. I, yeah. I left here as GA, went to Utah State, then came back in ni- 1996. 
mm-hmm. was here till 2005. So. Okay. And then you just decided life is more important. Well, you, got you know, at the time it was a lot of complicated. I, I had, I had, a, I had a, a young daughter. I had, a, I had an unfortunate accident with my first wife. We had, when we had our kids, she ended up getting sick and passed away. So I was a single oh, dad. Wow. wow. You know, with a young daughter and mm-hmm. you know, an infant almost. You know, yeah. and um, you know, so I had a support system here, but. You know, once you get into this coaching business, you know, it's a traveling, it's a traveling yeah. circus sometimes. you got to go where the jobs are. And when um, when we had the great purge of 2005, I call it, yeah. we got rid of all, these, all, the, all the coaches that won national championships. I think there was like 14 rings in the room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, but, uh, you know, there was, there was options to go other, elsewhere, but I just decided, you know, I, I tried to prioritize. It was tough, but, but yeah. we got we got it. And yeah, now I now I don't know if I could ever come back into this. I <laughs> I'm a, I could come as a consultant. That's it. You'll come back as a consultant and do Legends Camp. Yeah. So this is the first one you'd come to, right? Of all the Paradise uh, Camps. Yeah, I, I actually there was a Paradise Camp I came to, but I wasn't involved in. It. I came to it just to, just okay. as just a to on the side, just to watch. But uh, but yeah, no. This one, Mario. Mario asked. He goes, "Hey, we'll be getting an invitation out there. So just let me know what you need." You know, and I yeah. think that's. I think that's the, 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 the really the sentiment amongst all former players that are around. <laughs> we want to be involved. Let us know what you need. We'll right. come in and do it. Yeah, because a lot of coaches wouldn't let you guys do it before. Well, you know, I, I think... At least McKinney was telling me that. I, I, I think what Brian was talking about, I think it was very prevalent. I think a lot of these coaches are a little insecure mm-hmm. about guys like myself or Brian or these former players come in and you know, they're insecure about their job. Like, yeah. We're going to come in and take their job. I don't want a job. I don't want any right. of these guys' job. I just want to help out. You know, and I, don't, I think that's the sentiment of a lot of... A, former players here that come in they just want to help out where we can and even coach O's out here it's crazy ah coach O's my man <laughs> he coached you right he yeah was, he, was, he was a graduate assistant when I was yeah. when I was, when I was playing okay and then he became the D-line coach and I came back and then I was actually a graduate assistant when he was a D-line coach ah okay and uh you know then he you know he went on his his trail off to Ole Miss and to LSU and all that fun right. stuff yeah. but uh yeah he's, he's the best I'll tell you what as, as good as they come, good big heart guy, you know, intense, good coach, mm-hmm. and even a better friend. So, yeah. I'm the 